And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Welcome to Social Media White Noise. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that, Ted, but we've had complaints that the intro's too long. Bugger. And we're on air. See, I told you we should have turned left to Albuquerque, but you had to open the Google, the, not Google Maps. I see the joke failed. Sorry. Here we are, episode number 92. It is 92, yeah. Social media. Uh, but I know, I know where you were going. I know I was, where you were going. You know where I'm going. Which, I know which, where you're going. Which, which means you couldn't have been using Apple Maps. Um, I've upgraded like millions of other people, and I'm, I'm trying to get my head around the new um, maps. Yes. And that, hence, hence, ladies and gentlemen, we failed to get an episode out two weeks ago because we. Uh, I got lost. We both upgraded and then got lost. So I got lost apologize. in time and space. There we are. Episode anyway, number ninety-two. Welcome to Social Media White Noise. I'm Andy in. White. He is. And I am Nick Butler, aka Landmouth uh, Man, and we are in. We are in the farm, We're which is on farm. Trafalgar Street, and the farm is a coffee shop. This is a coffee shop. Yes. Cafe, I'm drinking um, Earl Grey tea. Jessop's Farm sausages served up. <coughs> um, get in here, guys. This place is great. It's actually right next door to that infamous Bill's Produce. But frankly, guys, get in here. This place has got more atmosphere. And frankly, um, there's, the, there's, the, there's the lovely smell of sausages that are about to sizzle. Yes, if I had a normal sense of smell, I could... I could s- anyway, in today's show, as he fiddles with knobs, in today's show, things, I'm, I'm fiddling with knobs. Um, some really cool things happening in Finland. Uh, national identity, identity cards using social media bits and pieces. This German internet exchange peaking to two terabytes. We'll talk about that very briefly. Um, Facebook suspending photo tagging. Um, they want to snitch uh, on you, however. They want us to snitch on our friends. Um, uh, oh, this funny thing about piracy, uh, the nightlife, and uh, finally some interesting news about BitTorrent and uh, maybe blowing, blowing a few Goodbye. things about BitTorrent that perhaps we didn't know. Uh, the first one then, um, crowdsourcing democracy. I love this, and it's written in Ruby on Rails, which of course it's, it's is, a GitHub thing. is my programming thingy of choice. This is the Finnish government enabling something called the Citizens Initiative. Um, through which registered voters come up with new laws. It's, it's a sort of an inverse on the uh, UK government petition that we have here, where UK voters come up with a name things they want the government to do, mm. and occasionally get the government to listen to them if the media can put enough pressure on them. Um, not that I'm, you know, at all sceptical about the value of, of such things. So you're not coming across as sceptical, Nick. But in this, you know, I, I look at something like this crowdsourcing of lawmaking. Uh, which goes to an open which goes to a platform called Open Ministry. Um, now there's a there's a link there's a link to a TED talk uh, that I cannot for the life of me remember right now, which talks about use of GitHub in in creating laws. I saw that. In fact, did we um, talk about that last time? And in fact, the platform is naturally open source, available on GitHub as well, and they yeah. encourage anybody to fork and contribute to it. But I I think this is a great idea oh, for it. getting citizens involved in lawmaking but should we not maybe kick off with the um, constitution of the internet is that not the first thing that we could do well of course that on this system we could put anything forward and because because you, know, you, you could start with the constitution of the internet as, 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 long, as long as it's um, um, thingy fin, Finnish laws <laughs> so there's an API for official campaign funding order I mean, this is um, this is part of you can see a certain amount of this through uh, GDS, through the Government Digital Society, um, and, and the, the, the concept of having 
open data. And it's, it's been banded around so much, everyone's going to get tired of it at the moment. And this concept of having, having open data and making it easy for the public to access that data still does not resolve how you would make the discovery in that data accountable to the departments involved. Because, you know, you're, surely if you're saying, well, making this data open, are we also going to say, well, we'll also make the departments accountable in case there's data in there that needs to be acted upon. <coughs> Otherwise, it's just, you know, you, you can sort of keep telling the government departments they're doing it wrong, and they just go, yeah, but you just keep reporting we're doing it wrong. We're just going to carry on doing it this way anyway. Hang on, I'm just going to um, call my team of scientists to understand what you've just said. So yep. I have no idea what you got the recording? Here. Yeah, I'll just play it back to you. Are you doing? I actually can't hear a word he's saying. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, which is good. Oh, I, oh, that's what he means. Okay. Right. Yeah. Now, go and have a look at this tech-driven right. democracy. Personally, I think it's really cool because basically they're they're allowing they're crowdsourcing the law, which I think is. You think? Do you not think that's a good idea? No, because I think mobs. You think it's a bad insane. idea? You think what? I think mobs are insane. I think the, you can crowdsource the law. Have, the idiocy like, of the crowds. It's, it's you have the it's the wisdom of the crowd or the madness of the masses, and there is a tendency for groups to become self-invested in um, idiosyncratic concepts that are actually not core to the issue that you're trying to get over. And so you end up, good lawmakers actually come from individuals considering in a small group and discussing the issue and then publishing it, and that is up for debate. But when you end up with a thousand voices... Where the initiators are the crowd rather than the checkers. When you end up with a thousand voices all shouting out what you want, you just end up with X-Factor for law. <laughs> so, I don't think we want to live in a country where the law is defined by people who are enthusiastic about X-Factor. <laughs> Hello, what's your name? got the Digital Economy Act. Right, Digital Economy Act, how old are you? One. Right. And what are you going to do for us today, Digital Economy Act? Well, today I'm right, going to you go. Uh, make sure Best that of luck. everybody who's downloading any material at all is always held accountable <laughs> in case we think it's illegal, and then I'm going to kick them off the internet because I think that's the best way to handle progress. What, what would Simon Cowell say to the Digital, Digital Economy Act? I don't know. First we'd have to get him signed up to a GitHub account. <laughs> I, 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 mm. it's, it's, it's good that these tools are available, but we should have these tools being used by the people who we are then holding accountable to implement these, to these laws. Should we move on to the next item, Brigadier Butler? Ah, uh, national identity. Hey, look, virtual ID card scheme set for launch. Scheme. Well, this is, this is the concept uh, being pushed forward now by the UK government, the Cabinet Office, to suggest why don't we integrate social media... Look, the trouble you have with national identity cards has always been on about proving who you are. Mm. And we have in the open source community this concept of... Um, of GPG fingerprints and key signing parties where people validate who other people are through a network of trusted friends of friends. Yeah. So why not take something like social media and integrate that straight into a national ID card scheme? And I say, and I've, I've written about this, it's called cashback citizenry. And I say, we just take a big shortcut here. Let's hand the national ID card scheme to Tesco, right? And everyone's got a Tesco club card, they immediately have a passport. <coughs> All you need to do now is go down to Tesco, show them your club card, hand over your fingerprint, and you'll get your Tesco passport signed there and then. Isn't this a bit like OAuth? Just for those that don't, don't, I mean, follow the link, obviously, but basically what they're, what they're thinking of doing is using things like Google and, and Facebook as, as an authentication sort of proxy for, for important things like passports and 
doing your tax returns and all that malarkey. Yeah, I mean, we're certainly not saying that, you know, Twitter is your ID. Uh, and it's at least embracing the concept that people have an identity outside of the one that's given to them by their parents. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a unique perspective that we, we rarely grasp, which is our identities that we create for ourselves online are never the ones that our parents would imbue us with. And, and that creates a problem because governments are tracking people based on the things that the parents have said about them. An identity, an online ident- identity, is surely just a proxy for a flesh, flesh and blood human being. In the same way that a legal fiction is, when sure we have our mortgages yeah, and we have our driving licences with uppercase letters I mean, on it. It can't even be held to being a proxy for the individual because it's actually a token for the application. Right. It could be concerned What's the definition of a token? The definition of a token would be a, sorry, a token would be a username yeah. and a password, which when used together, say this is the unique identity of this connection. Whereas connection proxy, being the key word. A, a proxy would be to act in place of. And so the proxy mm. in this case would be that somebody would be saying, um, okay, this service acts in place of me identifying myself. Mm. Joined her. And, and I, I feel that what you end up with is uh, the ability then, you have, you have two things going on. First of all, you have no, you cannot ascertain accurately the individual operating underneath that identity is operating as themselves and not being operated on behalf of. So if you have a household where somebody decides that they're operating on behalf of their wives or their family mm. in voting decisions or in communication decisions, and, and we go back to um, that sort of classic American senator um, who sort of talked about the internet as being as tubes um, and, and you know, not having a close that works and saying that he handled all of the email. He handles all the email for his family. He does all the email for his family. What does that mean? If, if that concept is not clearly understood to start with, why? It, it's something like this. I, I, you know, my, my mother-in-law is at the moment looking to buy an iPad. Okay, so at this point, how cool is an iPad? My, literally, my, my, my front room has become a Samsung advert because it's the grandparents who are looking at buying an Apple product. All right, it's time to vote. Nick, yes or no? You know, I, I, think, I think the idea of this is a no, again. I think there's, a, there's good value to be had in allowing an individual to express how they wish to identify themselves, but locking this in through social media, it's, it's, let's go and get this group to go and have a look at how key signing parties work, mm. and look at key signing parties for starters. I think there needs to be a mechanism that isn't just, it's within your family or within your group, but it's friends of friends of friends mm. as a mechanism inside that. Now, what's um, this... But my, my mother-in-law would never understand any of this, so, you know, it's another mechanism. Moving on to this German, uh, this, the next leak, this German DE6, DE-CIX.net. Deutschland CIX. So, let me get this right. Is, it, is this just like a bunch of routers in the middle of Germany measuring how much traffic is going through them? So, you, un- right? you understand that no matter how much internet we have, there are always there are always central hubs at which internet comes in and goes back out from. Okay, yeah, so and this is one of them, presumably. And this is one of them. So, this is one of, this is one of where the networks meet before they all hand out okay. again. So, I'm looking at a graph of, was it over the last couple of days, or two particular days, I forget which two days they are, and one of these little lumps, because they seem to peak at sort of like s- late evening. Yeah, it's going over Just two went terabytes, over two right? terabits per second. Is that a new record or something? Yeah, it's, um, it's bytes, not bits. It's Is it bytes or bits? So it's average traffic in bits per second. Oh, okay. Just so, bits, yeah, yeah, terabits. So, you know, they're, they're looking at um, 
Actually, peak time at uh, two two thousand gigabits gigabytes so gigabits per second. Mm. Um, we're looking at internet traffic. That, and if you look at the the one year graph on it, it's slowly going up. Yeah, this is what I was going to say. That the real revealer is is the thing. Five if you look at the five year, look at that five year graph. And I'll tell you what's even more interesting than it. If you scroll down onto this page, sorry, the link is on the page, by the way. Look at the one-year graph for um, IPv version 6. Yes. Because there's something you've gone about. And there's a peak. Why Ooh. is there that peak? Because that was is National IPv6 May? Day. That was, was the day it? when everybody tested IPv6. Really? And it was like, there was more traffic going over it. But you can see it's growing. You can see yeah. the traffic for IPv6 is growing. So take that graph, look at its line. Yeah. Remember when you were in school and you learned about how to do the area under a graph? Yeah. And you're like, why would I be interested in the area under a graph? Well, you're interested in the area under the graph because you can take the area under a graph and it will give you a value, which is kind of like you're an average. Yeah. And if the area under the graph is the same ratio as the area under the graph for IPv4, mm. then you can make a statistical assumption, which means a guess, mm. but with maths, uh, that it will continue to follow that line. And if it continues to follow that line, the growth will match the five-year growth, and we'll see it moving over to you know, IPv6. The thing is, is will the IPv6 graph grow, and the five-year graph for IPv4 begin to slow down and peter off? It's interesting, isn't it? But it's the fact that more data is going over the internet today, and we still don't have 70% of the world online. We have this tiny amount of the world is online. Actually, I think it's closer to 50% of the world mm. now. It's still a negligible amount. So you imagine bringing just 10% more people in. And is it 95% of that traffic is spam? Is that right? Um, I haven't read through all the stats on that. And 95% of email traffic would be spam. Oh, email traffic, right. Okay. But yeah. that isn't necessarily what you'd necessarily be able to look at in saying that's what this data is. Right, yeah. That's what this data is telling you about. Yeah. But, um, okay. Just, just looking at the stats, you can see the peaks and troughs through morning and day. You can yeah. see that things sort of tend to build up towards the evening and then begin to peak down again from midnight downwards. But what's this interesting thing? Over the year, it's, there's a very it's gentle really peak, middle of the year, March, <laughs> March, April. Why is that? Can you see it? It's very subtle. If you look at the one-year graph, yep. and then you look at the five years, you can see the peaks in the five years. The middle of the year, slightly more than either end. Why oh. is that? And the, the, well, there's the drop-off in December, which is clearly, you've got Christmas. Some people, then, some people go online at Christmas. Well, I suspect there's, quite a, there's an increase towards the end of the year as you have exams. Uh, okay. And but summer be, holidays. Uh, and yeah, maybe, yeah. If you, what you need to be able to lay over this is the um, cultural holidays. Mm. But you then, if you lay those in, and then you look at... Um, maybe cultural entertainment that's specific at that time, mm. as well as any yeah, national events. You know, if you've had a severe earthquake in the country or you've had a, um, you know, you've had a national, national news day yeah. about a specific thing, then you plug all those things in. Mm. And you then begin to see if those things affect the trends of people accessing the data. Um, Certainly interesting. Anyway, we better move on. The five-year graph is the thing that constantly looks interesting because it goes peak, dip, peak, dip, peak, dip. So it's constantly, every time there's that dip, it then climbs up further again. Right. Moving on. Right, Facebook suspends photo tagging function in Europe. Have you ever seen this in action? Is this when you bring up a, a picture on Facebook? We've talked about this before. But have you seen it happen? You bring up a, yes, a picture on Facebook well, this, and it goes, because oh, you, yes. you were saying that you've been tagged. Yes, because two things happen. Um, Facebook says, who is this person? And it wants you to tag that person. Yeah. But the thing it's doing is it's actually highlighting there's a face here and would like you to put a name on it. Right. Okay. Um, 
And so what it was doing was it was saying, I think this is this person. So do you put spoof names on? So I was putting wrong names around. Like Daniel Craig? And no, no, no. It's just because it's <laughs> only going Presley. to go within your own friend book. Right. But one of the reasons why I subsequently removed my profile photo and everything else from mm. Facebook was I disliked the concept that Facebook were going to spend their time tagging my image. And as a result, if I was... My photo was taken at an event that I didn't necessarily want to have published. Facebook would go, this looks like Nick Butler. Yeah. And it would plug it in. Now, I don't feel that... So, I mean, I switched off all those features inside Facebook, but I still am concerned. And because Facebook have been keeping the data, so one of the things that they've been told to do is basically drop the database and drop the information. Mm. But Facebook are constantly pushing back on doing this. They want to get... Because there are... There are high-definition cameras now, which include not facial recognition software, but software that identifies when it sees a face. Yeah. So that looks like a face, and then take a copy of that information and send it back upstream. They're using um, um, an Israeli piece of software, aren't they, to do the facial recognition? So the value in arc I've gone to Will Harris. So stop doing that, Nick. We did. We did stop doing it. Are we worried about facial identity software going off left, right and centre? Yes, if we're not told it's happening. No, if it does happen. Is it useful? Yes, because a child getting lost in a centre could be tracked Mm. down faster. There's your argument for why you want to do it. Somebody think of children. Mm. Do you want to have it happen to you as an adult? No, because you should have the freedom... Yeah. to experience it, it comes down to the problem with privacy is, is, is always somebody else messing up your privacy not you it's always somebody else tagging you it's always somebody else yeah. highlighting at you and of course that then happens that they're saying oh we're at that event and you know you didn't check in on Foursquare you, did, you switched off your latitude you, you, you think mm. that you were going to this event mm. you think that you were going to some big football event whatever yeah uh, and you phone into your boss and you say I'm off sick for that day yeah. and the camera takes a photo of some whatever and you're behind the goal mm. and it comes up on the thing and Facebook somebody posts that winning whatever screenshot and Facebook goes that looks around that'll be a brilliant story when it comes out talking of Facebook but Facebook however have flipped this problem around because yeah. automating the process is considered to be the naughty so what they're asking is for people to identify, that's where you then have it comes up and says, who is this person? Mm. And, and not only that, but Facebook have started going to the point of saying, tell us who your friends' friends are versus who your family are. They're trying to build a more accurate social graph yeah. between you and the relationship of you and this other person. But this story also bleeds into the next story, isn't it? Where Facebook are actually trying to identify people that are not stating their true name. Yes. Which apparently is against the terms and conditions anyway. Yeah, I mean, and everybody they're, they're got upset with Facebook snitch. about it, and yeah, everybody got upset with Google doing it, but Facebook been doing it a long time before. Mm. And they're looking to suggest that you know, we need to have real names and real relations with real people. People who want to be anonymous or need to be anonymous, or who, and I, and I know this from experience, or who have partners who they are trying to avoid, and those partners have been arrested, put in jail, mm. and they've done all they can to remove their life from that previous partner that person is able to use Facebook social graph to relocate that individual mm. and as a result 
continued to harass them. Thankfully, continued harassing them led to them being put back in prison. But so that actually happened, did it? That's actually happened. Right. And that's my experience of an individual who I know who I've helped out with her privacy. Right. And I've experienced this. And the, the trouble is, is that again, she can maintain her privacy, but her friends can't maintain it for her. Right. And her friends' friends can't maintain it for her. So they unlock the issue of the location by way of tagging, mm. which this person. So you don't need to be, you know, you don't need to be friends with Nick Butler. You need to be friends with Nick Butler's friend's friend mm. to be able to look up that information. And so that data comes back to you again and again and again. Eventually, it locks down to it's you know with Facebook doing this, what they're doing in terms of adding value, adding value to what they're trying to achieve in terms of making a more coherent link between people, mm. is they're removing people's choice for privacy by getting other people to do it for them. Mm. Since we're on the topic of Facebook, I feel that we should probably give uh, thanks to our sponsor. Talking of face bristles. And talk about face bristles and King, King of, of Shades. Shades. We thank King of Shades for sponsoring us for our coffees, our mm. teas, our sausages on a on a sandwich that we're going to have in a minute well Nick is I'm not sure if I am and um, <laughs> uh, King of Shades who's uh, a sponsor us so thank you very much for sponsoring us their products which include the Azure the Azure handle and blades with Bendology with Bendology mm-hmm. um, with the cartridges that are going to cost you far less than leading well-known I hate to say leading I think it's inappropriate really it's just a marketing phrase than other well-known and established brands that you may shave with mm. who produce a range of oils and gels that I feel are, are just like that's, that's the luxury that's the luxury you want as a bloke in the bathroom um, as I, I, I joked about it on, on Will King I said you're the Branson of the bathrooms you would create a range of products that have a level of sophistication and a level of luxury without incurring a level of expedient costs that are unnecessary. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, just a, a, a British businessman who's providing a product and delivering a concept that I, I like supporting. So I, I appreciate that they sponsor us because I like supporting this product as well. So get a chance, go out and grab a King of Shades product. You'll find them in Boots, you'll find them in Tesco's, find them in Superdrugs, get out there and experience a King of Shades experience and also talk about the uh, the menthol gel which is which i use which is absolutely fantastic i wonder if the word glideology has ever been used maybe you should use that for the gels because it does glide it glides over the bristles removing them in the process we thank you king of shaves it's one of the things where you sort of grow up with this sort of idea of using cruddy foam dispensed from a can Mm. lathered up in your hands um, and then you discover this, this gel that you can apply with some bristles and the job just gets easier. Mm. And you think, wow, I was really mucking around with all this rubbishy foam. Mm. I've been sold, I've been sold a bill of goods, <laughs> as they say. Right, so, moving on. Facebook, moving on. Um, what's coming up next? How about aspiring towards privacy? Aspiring towards piracy. Oh, this is this funny post, wasn't it? And you, you, you ended up having a bit of a, a bit of a chat with him. Travis Rudek. Yeah who aspires to become the victim of privacy. Uh, and let me get this right, he's, he has he's written a book, has he? He's, he's an author, a book. okay, right. He has an e-book, yeah. he's out there, and he knows that the biggest trouble he has is nobody discovering his book. Yeah. So he writes an article, which, of course, you know, creates a bit of, creates a bit of controversy, creates lots of comments and so forth. Um, 
And his book's available on Amazon. It's like 79p. Mm. It's cheap enough. It's, it, it, it follows the three core issues, which are, if it's cheap enough, it's easy to access, it's mm. not likely to get pirated. Mm. Whereas if it's £40 and you can only buy it from this region, it's only available in that yeah. area, and yeah. there's no good reason to do that. False scarcity. False leads to piracy. scarcity. Now, the argument for false scarcity leads to piracy is like, you don't, you don't, you don't have to pirate. You don't, you don't, it's a choice to pirate. You're absolutely right. It is a choice to pirate. The flip side of that is when somebody's sitting there thinking, I'd really like to listen to this album. Mm. It's on my CD, but not in my MP3 player. Mm. Why am I paying for it again? Mm. Why are we constantly paying for this again? Now, how many times do I need to put money in this to sort of confounded. Um, so I wrote this response saying as many as, as many of those pirating are not making any money providing access to torrents for your books, wherever you find a site hosting a link to a torrent, take a leaf out of the book of the guys behind Indie Game the movie, they left a comment on the Pirate Bay to the people who were handing out torrents saying we appreciate you torrenting it because you can, but this is an indie movie, you can buy it here for this much money, like nine dollars. Mm-hmm. We'd like it if you do. And the result was people went, okay, we'll take the... Di- it, it comes so the downloads of our torrent, but contributed, contributed voluntarily to the... Yeah. Here's the thing. The problem's not actually at the file sharing. The problem comes down to no one has sat down and worked out how to create a distributed mechanism for paying for the delivery of the goods. They've created a distributed mechanism for the delivery and distribution. But no, the, you know, if the problem is, is that you just can't pay for it to own a legal copy. You just end up with the illegal copy and you're waiting to pay for it. Mm. So that seems to be quite the problem is there should be a mechanism for paying for these. Um, so I've left some comments in there. Um, and, you know, there's, um, there's there's people left comments, there's other people come back and said, thanks very much for you know downloading the book and so forth. I was able to get, I said, I said the interesting thing was, he put a link to his book that went to the Amazon.com, but the Amazon.com didn't link to the .co.uk UK site. Mm. So I didn't think there was a UK copy available. So it was tied up in Amazon's environment. As it was, he did have a UK link, but it was a separate link. So, so just the links weren't arranged well enough for you to find so, it, yeah. yeah. And we're seeing something else. There's a thing called Chasing the Hill, mm. which is a TV show that kind of aspires to be another West Wing. Um, and I'll throw some notes in it. And they've simply said, give us £2.19 for every episode that you want to download and go here and download the episode. You could just go there and download the episode anyway. There'd be nothing to stop you. But give us £2.19 because it helps pay for things. Yeah. That's what I'll do. Yeah. It's like if you make it simple for me to pay, yeah. and you make it simple for me to get a hold of, then the honour system is there. Yeah, if I'm going to pirate it, I'll pirate it anyway. Yeah. But you're not making that sale. So they say, well, piracy encourages people not to pay for things. Well, actually, it doesn't really. And there's no, you know, there's, there's a demonstration that in the last uh. ten years, the spending on entertainment culture has increased dramatically at the same rate that piracy has. So yeah. This reminds me of our last article, but uh, we, we, which will, I think we'll. You ready to move on to that? The, the BitTorrent yep. um, interesting thing. But um, what are the facts here? Apparently, just correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. They found, I don't know who they are, the, the great beige they found that uh, a lot, a big percentage of BitTorrent downloads are actually legal purchases, or have I got that wrong? Okay, I can't get to it at the moment because I'm getting this page has been blocked by a URL content filter. Ah. <laughs> Is that Bill's, Bill's gateway? Because we're, 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 we're on a guest Wi-Fi. <laughs> Do you want to see mine? 
you Shall I read it out to you? I've got, I've got it. I've, I've cashed it. You cashed it. Yeah, I've cashed it. Yeah. Hang on. I got a pocket. I got to get pocket. Read it that way. Oh, Nick's hacking. Are you hacking? He's got his hacking face on. Just log in and get it that way. <laughs> the protruding lower jaw, the look of anger in his eye as he hacks into the system. This is Unix. I know Unix. <laughs> LS. Hey, you see, three D printing is. Um, 3D printing is getting a higher profile as people are concerned about it being used for piracy. Is that living right. now about 3D printers? BitTorrent downloads booming and benefiting musicians. Here it is. Is it? It's hacked in. A report from UK analytics firm Music Metric has pegged the US as the world's leading downloader of music via BitTorrent. I could have just read this out to you, Nick. <laughs> the world's mixtape. It's just not killing the industry. 43.3 million downloads in the UK alone. The numbers are huge. The, the bottom line is, is that torrenting has provided a distribution mechanism that is unparalleled in mm. the um, annals of, of the internet. It's, very, it's a very cool protocol, the way it works, and I must admit. Why don't we issue podcasts of BitTorrents? That'd be a really good way to do that. Because, know. you know, it's about discovery at the end of the day. Yeah, but how do you discover on BitTorrent? That's one of the mechanisms that's a problem. It's why you have things like Tribbler right. that makes it easier. I mean, discovery on BitTorrent is... Um, this is the same. This is the problem that you now have with things like Apple. Remember, like five years ago, Apple was really cool because because so many indies were there that you found all the indies. Now you go to an Apple and you go to the Apple iPod Store, yeah, the iPhone, the, sorry, the Apple Podcast Store, and you look at all the podcasts and it's BBC this and Discovery Channel that and Channel mm-hmm. Four this. It's all the big names are right at the front because they have the money and they can afford to be there. You have a hard time finding independence again. Is search and iTunes podcast? still a bit rubbish because I don't always oh, it's was it's always been rubbish because I haven't searched for ages actually but you want what you want to do is you want to find the independent stuff but because yeah. of it's ranking on popularity and people just want to go with well I've got the BBC at home I want the BBC on mm. my iPod that's where they go with so we we lose a lot of the ability to be discovered mm. coming late to the games how do you renew on that well to a certain extent you sort of begin to listen to indie podcasts and your stuff and so forth you pick up on indie content that's how you discover things mm. But, you know, where's that discovery coming from Can, nowadays? Sorry, technical question. Are, um, podcasts are on RSS feeds. What's that? Podcasts are on RSS feeds. Podca- no, a, pod- a podcast... No, no, they, they are. They a, are pod- a podcast is an MP3 file. Yeah, yeah. It's held inside an RSS feed. And yes, enclosure. each episode is referenced by, referenced by... Could that be a torrent reference? I don't know how BitTorrent works. Could an RSS feed point to something available over a torrent? You need your client that reads the RSS feed. Right. to understand how to read the enclosure yeah. and to examine it to see whether it's an MP3 file or a torrent. Uh, oh, because it's a torrent file, isn't it? It's not actually an MP3. It would be a... You would have to hand it off to a, to a torrenting client. Somebody written that. that would then, Somebody needs to write that, Andy White. That would then inherit it. Torrent cast. Quick, check the domain. So you could... Oh, dear. Uh, See, discovery could. is separate from distribution. This is distribution. This is bit distribution. Time to distribution. Yeah. And you have Sorry, we're going off topic here because we were talking about legal downloads. Is, is legal downloads of music here, which yeah. is there's a lot, an awful lot of legal music downloaded legally. Downloaded legally. Oh, that was a ridiculous statement, Nick. Well done. Say that slowly, Nick. There's an awful lot, there's there's an awful lot of legal music downloaded over torrents. Yes. Torrents are themselves uh, not the illegal thing. Mm. Torrents are apparently creating a problem for internet service providers who create a false sense of scarcity whilst saying to you that they can provide you so many megabits per second of download speed. I've gone back to this in the past. If you're going to say to me that you can give me 40 megabits a second download, 
then over the month, you're guaranteeing to me that I get a maximum download that is 40 megabits a second times how many seconds in a month. Yeah. There is no such thing as I can download more because you've set this the filter by the speed of my internet. So you're then turning around saying, oh yes, but if you're downloading that yeah. continuously, we can't cope. Right. At which point I have to say, well, if you can't cope with me downloading it that continuously, you're not offering me 40 megabits per second over that you're offering me less and you should advertise that yeah. they're so offering you 40 megabits a second when they feel like it, yeah. it no, it's, it's, it's like we're moving to 4G and everybody's going on about how wonderful 4G is because it's faster but if it's faster and with the same caps mm. you're just hitting your limits sooner mm. because that's what's going to happen I'm constantly disappointed that this is not something brought up by Ofcom that they're the biggest the biggest sort of Heist of people's intelligence ever out there has been selling people speed of the internet as a connection and then limiting how fast limiting the content they can download by it's like selling me a car that can go 70 miles an hour around the M25 but then only allowing me to go four junctions before telling me I've got to buy more yeah it doesn't make any sense it's interesting because I always remember uh, there's a company a local company called Fastnet here in Brighton and I actually left Fastnet because I got a bit fed up with them. But to their credit, I always remember the sales guy telling me, and I think it was true because he was also a bit of a techie, that when they offer you, they, when they give you an internet connection, they just assumed you would use that bandwidth 24 hours a day. Yeah, they should do because yeah. that's what they're selling yeah. to you. Yeah, and I'm going to assume they still do that. If you're selling that. me a 70 mile an hour car, <coughs> yeah. I expect to be able to drive and for an hour and yeah. hit 70 miles yeah. not dr- not drive for an hour and be stopped after half an hour because I've just hit 30 miles mm. and I'm evidently exceeding the amount that I can use can I please pay for the top up on the car that's like buying a lease to a car that says to you you can do 2,000 miles but you can only do it at 20 miles an hour mm. it's backwards but the, the, it's torrents are not killing the entertainment industry Sorry, back on topic now. Attempting to control... Mm. This, com- it, this always comes back to... Um, the thing about the internet is is the lack of regulation that it has is the same... is, is basically the lack of regulation that used to exist over the airwaves. Mm. And the media companies would like, would like governments to treat the internet like magnetic spectrum. Something that can be divvied mm. up mm. and sold by a licence. Mm that says you can own this much of the bandwidth so you know, BBC buys so much spectrum over the airwaves and there's a licensing round those rounds so everything everywhere has successfully won the bid for the 4G spectrum so they can offer 4G because they bought that spectrum being able to divide up the internet in that way would mean that big corporations could divide up the internet going against net neutrality Mm. and sell the internet like it was a spectrum mm. saying that your internet connection is just like a Sky subscription mm. you get this much for this much and then you have to pay this much for this much more you want to download, you want to do torrents if they, if they can get to the point where they can sell you protocols based on subscription so your internet service could be port 80 and port 443 mm. but if you want to have anything that's in the torrent protocol you'll pay an extra £20 a month that's what they'd love to get to mm. no more reason than they'd like to get to that and there's a, there was a daft suggestion put around by an MP a while back that was that was said, why don't we put a tax on all of the internet connections that we have in the UK to pay for journalism? Because you know journalism is losing out because people are copying things around. Just, it, it, we go away, we come back in a full circle here, which is 
The first thing we need is a constitution of the internet. The, the internet then says to the governments, this is what you have to abide by. That has been started, hasn't it? I've, I've, I've several groups have actually There's started to write one. Here, but yeah. we, we need... Uh, we need something that represents the agency of the human mind, mm. not the agency of a series of corporations with good lobbying, yeah. which is what we need. Mm. I believe that when we hit IPv6, it'll be Pandora's box and everything will be gone, except hope. Everything will be open and, and everything will be out in the world with IPv6. Because Meaning every device will have a public IP address. Because every device will have a public IP address. Yeah allows companies to segregate their networks. Mm. So now they can offer the access to their gateways mm. in a way that they couldn't really do with IPv4. And it's likely they might move to saying, we're going to offer so much available in our network, and then if you want to access the rest of it, here's a subscription. Now, uh, not The Guardian, but The Telegraph, The Times, both have a subscription-only service mm. that people pay to, and people are paying for it, and it's there. But People are people, paying for it. People are paying for it. Yeah, they are yeah. using it. it. It will be up to people to choose to pay for that. But mm. leave the core protocols and the core facilities of the internet, the, the protocols that build up port 80 and BitTorrent and so forth, leave those open and allow people to do what they want with them between themselves and another server. Mm. And then you know, work it out from there. There's a, there's a cartoon in XKCD today that talks about how... It's amazing that everybody went after Microsoft for being a monopoly, but they didn't go after Facebook or Google for being a monopoly, mm. and these are big companies today. The difference being is that you could today set up another Google, because you can get on the internet and get started on the internet, and Google cannot block you being on the internet. Mm. The argument about Microsoft at the time was simply that Microsoft were instructing manufacturers as to putting Windows on machines and penalising them in their licences if they chose to sell machines without Windows. Mm. That's, a diff- that's controlling the market. No one's, Google cannot enforce internet service providers to say these internet service providers have to provide Google and nothing else. That would then be a monopoly. Uh, I think we have to be aware of the big industry would like to separate out the internet to make it that. And on, that happy note, on, on that happy note... We will leave it for today at 38 minutes. Well, we'll give you a bit extra because we missed last fortnight. That's all my fault. I do apologise for that. Yay, babies. I have been Andrew White, Aka Dr. Pot, spelt D-O-C-T-O-N-P-O-D. And he has been... I've been Nick Butler, a.k.a. Loudmouthman at loudmouthman.com. Now, if you've enjoyed the show, we'd like to encourage you to visit socialmediawhitenoise.com. Leave a donation at the leaving a donation button. And uh, thank you very much for listening, and we shall be back in two weeks' time. See you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Social Media White Noise, brought to you by Andy White, Aka Dr. Pod, and Nick Butler, Aka Loudmouth Man. Please visit www.socialmediawhitenoise.com where you can leave comments, listen to the show straight from the webpage, and subscribe for free. Email us at ulot at socialmediawhitenoise.com. Follow us on Twitter, Dr. Pod and Loudmouthman. We'd like to thank the coffee shops of Sussex, social media and technology, without whom this show would not be possible. See you soon. Peace. <laughs>